Ah, sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Well, Dan, there is one topic in the Bible today that if we get it wrong, it's really dangerous. And that is the topic of Armageddon. There are a lot of expectations out there that could spell real trouble. I've invited my good friend, Pastor Tim Rosenberg, the founder and director of IslamandProphecy.org, a frequent speaker on, on topics of prophecy, to be our guest today to just give you a taste of, of what the problem is. Tim, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Well, thank you. And by the way, that's IslamandChristianity.org. What did I say? Islam and prophecy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, my friend. Islam and... So now you won't forget it, listeners. Say it again. IslamandChristianity.org. See, I just had lunch and my brain is a little addled at the moment. <laughs> but uh, not too not too much to tackle this very tough topic. Uh, there are expectations of Armageddon that are dangerous. Uh, do you agree with that premise? Very, very dangerous. Yes. So let's, you know, we did a show where we talked about Islamic expectations of a battle on the fields of Dabiq. Our listeners can find that on the iTunes library. We're also on SoundCloud. But we're going to talk specifically today about Christian ideas about Armageddon that are dangerous. Where do you want to begin, Tim? Well, First off, the term Battle of Armageddon uh, would be instructive for people to understand. We get it from Revelation chapter 16 and the sixth judgment, bold judgment or sixth plague. And in there, it's right towards the end of the plagues, six out of seven, and it says a place in Hebrew called Armageddon, and the Hebrew is Har Moed, meaning the mountain of Megiddo. And amazingly, we have people all over the world saying they're expecting the Battle of Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo when God said the Mountain of Megiddo. Well, I've been there. I've climbed the mountain. Oh, Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is the mountain that overlooks the plains of Megiddo. Mm -hmm. The armies of the world wouldn't fit. No, and God didn't say it. He said the Mountain of Megiddo. He didn't say the Valley of Megiddo. Well, uh, even less so would they fit on the mountaintop. <laughs> right. That was the place of the showdown between God's side and Satan's side. The famous showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Right. And in the sixth plague, you have a showdown. That's what it's talking about. You have all the nations of the earth gathering to fight against God. Ah. And God shows up for the fight in the seventh plague. This is not a fight against Islam and Christianity. The real battle of Armageddon is a fight against the world and all its forces against God. It seems like a rather futile battle. You know, when I discuss this in a, in a seminar I do, Tim, mm -hmm. I have these pictures of, you know, tanks and rocket launchers and, and nukes, and I'm like, okay, 
What kind of weapons, if you're the general, you know, what are you going to use to fight against God? <laughs> well, you just take a look at the next plague. It says he answers, as Jesus is coming to this earth, he answers with the greatest earthquake in earth's history and hillstones that are weighing in probably somewhere between 50 and 100 pounds. You know, I think of the second psalm. The Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. Yeah, and that's only the beginning of it. Because as the mountains and islands are disappearing in the worst earthquake of all time, Jesus himself is coming. Because in Revelation 6, when it describes the coming of Jesus, which it's called the wrath of the Lamb, which is the same as the plagues, that it has all these generals being defeated and the mountains and islands falling. So it's obviously the same thing. Well, but in a sense, the way I read the text there's not really a battle because, you know, the text says, yes, the armies of the world are arrayed, prepared for the battle. And then you have, as you've described it, the great earthquake, etc. It's, it's, it's over before it's begun. Right. It's not really a battle at all, is it? Well, I don't think they're going to be able to get much of a, any injury done to God. <laughs> <laughs> so is the the term battle is not really in the text is it no it says that the nations are arrayed and prepared for for battle yeah so it, it's just a, the whole thing is based on a misnomer right the misnomer being to take the name literally instead of understanding its meaning right and the context and Oh, here's another fun one. Most people that are expecting this Battle of Armageddon believe it's going to happen, you know, seven years or more before uh, Jesus sets up his kingdom. However, it says that this is after, I mean, this sixth plague. He has not yet come as a thief yet. That's what he does in the next plague. And so the coming as a thief is at the end of these plagues just as the context would describe his coming in the seventh place. Well, Jesus' second coming is what happens to destroy all these armies that are arrayed against God. Right. I guess what I'm pointing out is popular Christian theology or apocalyptic thinking right now has this battle of Armageddon. Uh, they, they pretty much have God's people, the Christians, taken out at the rapture seven years of tribulation and then the plagues, but they have the rapture happening as when Jesus comes as a thief. But here at the Battle of Armageddon, it says he doesn't come as a thief till right after the Battle of Armageddon. Mm -hmm. I'm just pointing out that the not only the name, but the whole sequence of events believed by most Christians does not match the context. Well, the notion of a Battle of Armageddon that comes sometime, you say seven years, or you say believed to be seven years. Yes, I, I don't believe that, right. but a lot of people do. Uh, but the idea that there's a battle seven years before the return of Christ fits in with what we see Satan doing in uh, with ISIS expecting an apocalyptic battle on the plains of Syria. And if the Christian world gets sucked into that kind of scenario, we're going to see this apocalyptic battle between East and West 
the Christians are going to call it Armageddon. Uh, the Muslims, or the Sunnis anyway, are going to see it in apocalyptic terms, and, and the Christians aren't going to expect Jesus to return for a few years after that. Uh, it, what a setup. Oh, it is. And it's exactly describing the conflict that happens before Armageddon that Daniel 11 describes as the third conflict between Islam and Christianity. So this conflict is in Scripture. It's just not Armageddon. But it leads to the end-time events. It's kind of, I see this as God's last warning to really get ready because things are about to come to an end. But it's not the battle of Armageddon. One of the things that I think um, Christian commentators miss when they, they get off track in the book of Revelation, book of Revelation is a Jewish book. And... Uh, some scholars have observed that almost every verse is taken in some way from the Hebrew Scriptures. Yeah. Um, if you don't see it as somehow immersed in the Hebrew Bible, you miss the point. The point, as we're saying, the point of this Armageddon passage is to take the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel and to bring it to an end-time application right. of how there's, as you pointed out, the showdown between, you know, are we going to worship God or are we going to worship some sort of counterfeit, some sort of substitute, some sort of uh, idolatry or humanity in the place of God? Yeah, but look at the difference here. The counterfeit showdown is, are you going to worship according to popular Christianity and their traditions, or are you going to follow the traditions of radical Islam. And they, they take that as the showdown between God and Satan. And that's not it. Because it's popular Christianity. They're not really closely following God's word. When you dig into the context, they're missing it dramatically. But it is a popular, uh, a governmental kind of Christianity, kind of one that's loose enough to cover everybody and rather than rally them together, an ecumenical Christianity not of any great power personally. And this brings it back to, to why it's relevant to a show that's devoted to religious freedom, because the counterfeit becomes a merger of church and state. Exactly. You have a merger of church and state on both sides, the Christian side and the Muslim side. And God's people of faith are going to get clobbered right in the middle. Neither side will be friends of those that are truly following God's word. So you have this counterfeit battle between a Christianity in the West that is compromised. Yes. And an Islam in the East, you've got these competing religious counterfeits. Definitely. And they're both church and state. And every time you have a church and state Muslim religion or church and state Christian, true believers that are truly following Jesus and the Bible get caught in the middle and they get persecuted. And the Daniel 11 prophecy says that happens at the Crusades, it happens during the Reformation of the Ottomans, and it happens again at the time of the end. And that's where we are now. And that's where we are now. And this false Armageddon scenario leads to God's people of faith getting persecuted by those that are church and state union from both sides. I suspect, Tim, that some of our listeners are going to have trouble wrapping their brains around this discussion, and they're going to want to see more 
and hear more, learn more, uh, to, to make sure they understand what to make of this. That's probably true. Do you have some suggestions for them? Well, we have a variety of video on our website to explain different aspects of this one, and that's islamandchristianity.org. We have a whole 10-hour seminar just on this, and you can go to the different sections of it, different topics to watch the parts that you want explanation on. Do you also have a book? Oh, I do. That's true. Islam and Christianity and Bible Prophecy. I think this subject is so important as, you know, we're recording today. Uh, there were more terrorist attacks in Belgium, um, more people killed by this violence. Uh, we see uh, the Sunni Islamist, uh, you know, pursuing a caliphate. Um, they're not going to stop. And Shia wants to establish a caliphate, too. So we've got another church-state Muslim group that wants to do the same. Oh, great. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to record another show about uh, presidential candidates who want to uh, uh, bring back Christian Reconstructionism and establish a Christian nation. So on all sides, we're seeing mergers of church and state that are posing real risks. So listeners... Please do go to islamandchristianity.org. Uh, don't take our word for it. The word of God is sure. Look into it. Our guest today, Pastor Tim Rosenberg, thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring. Thank you again, Alan. Really important topic. As we close, I want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk the talk. We work for people who suffer religious discrimination contact us at churchstate.org. Thank you for listening, and Freedom's Ring is now available on SoundCloud on the internet. Check out our Freedom's Ring SoundCloud radio station. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let Freedom Ring. <laughs>